Hello, and welcome to this week's edition of Research Minutes, presented by the CPRI Knowledge Hub. I'm Bobby Newman. Today, I'm talking to Liz Farley-Ripple, Associate Professor in the School of Education at the University of Delaware, about her new article, Rethinking Connections Between Research and Practice in Education, a Conceptual Framework. The article recently published in Educational Researcher presents a conceptual framework to guide conversations between the research and practice communities. Liz, thanks for joining me today. Welcome, I'm glad to be here. Your research focuses on building capacity for evidence-based reform, including the role of data and research in policy and practice. Along with a few of your colleagues, you constructed a conceptual framework to guide capacity building in this area. What was the impetus for this work? I worked with uh, Henry May, Allison Carpin, Katie Tilly, and Kaylin McDonough, uh, and since then other people have joined our team as well, to, to write this article that laid out the conceptual framework about really thinking about the connections between research and practice. So why did you feel it was necessary to develop a framework? What's the goal? We developed a conceptual framework to help us think about two processes that are, tend to be disconnected. The use of research in schools and other educational settings and the production of educational research. Now, these things often happen in separate communities in practice and research. More often than not, they are ships passing in the night rather than links in a chain, which is the visual we use in our conceptual framework. We're interested in understanding when those two processes might come closer together and when they might be more disconnected. So we developed this framework to organize our thoughts about those issues and to help others, such as researchers, practitioners, policymakers, who are also interested in this, to think about their work or their practice and how they might be enabling or constraining research and practice connections. Can you briefly describe some of the key elements of the framework? The key elements of the framework are what we call depth of use and depth of production. Those are the two pieces we would like to see more closely linked, right? Research use and research production. Within those, we have some different parts of that process, right? The idea of research use is more complicated than just a single action, just like creating research is more complicated than just going out and doing it. So we broke those down into a few components that we think are important, and we're exploring those. What do you see as some of the potential applications of the framework? So some of the applications of this framework would be in research and in practice and in policy. For example, we hope that this framework and ultimately our research findings from using this framework help schools to think about, for example, the processes of decision making that happen in their schools and what are some of the entry points where research might play a, an important or useful role. We also hope that this framework helps researchers think about who they involve in their research production processes, where their questions come from, and to think about the incentives for their work. So we hope this fosters a conversation among both communities, as well as policymakers who sometimes shape these research and practice environments. So we view this as both having research applications. For example, we'll be going out and studying how these different dimensions play out and interact through survey data and qualitative case studies, 
But we also hope it fosters a more practical dialogue and that researchers can use this, for example, to think about their practice and for practitioners to think about why there are disconnects uh, between research and practice and that conversation will help us leverage some of the, the tools and strategies that we know do a good job of connecting research and practice. The article does a great job of chronicling the federal government's effort to mandate the application and use of research on the school and district level. How is ESSA's definition of research and evidence different from No Child Left Behind's scientifically based research use? The federal government's role in encouraging the use of research in decision making has shifted between No Child Left Behind and the Every Student Succeeds Act, ESSA. So in No Child Left Behind, while the role of evidence was very prominent, I think it features more than 100 times in that document, it lays out scientific research in, in fairly broad terms. In ESSA, it's sort of been taken to the next level, where different kinds of evidence, or tiers, as it's often called, of evidence are laid out to help those making decisions determine the quality of the evidence and the the sort of confidence in their decision that they should have when making choices about programs and practices in their schools. The expectation has actually been there for quite some time that research plays a role in decision making, but it's gotten more specific. There's been more explicit guidance about what quote-unquote counts as research evidence. In this article, we focus on research evidence, but we also know that data are a really important part of evidence for schools and districts, and that both No Child Left Behind and ESSA focus on data use as well as research evidence. The emphasis on research really came through with ESSA's revisions and the establishing of tiers of evidence. But data is an important piece for us to consider moving forward. And in fact, many practitioners report using data alongside or more than research in making their decisions. It's also important to note that the federal government has been encouraging research use through these policy tools. They've also been promoting the expansion of research production on the other end through funding mechanisms through the Department of Education, the Institute of Education Sciences, so that there's been movement on both the research use and research production side. So we think this is great and really important to thinking about the those two processes that we focus on in our framework, use and production together. What future work are you planning with your colleagues to strengthen the relationship between research and practice? The goals of our center, the Center for Research, Use, and Education, from which this framework emerges, is to strengthen the connections between research and practice in part through our research efforts. So we are developing a series of measures to capture what we describe in the framework so that we can empirically look at what are those levers that connect research and practice? Where do they exist? How might we cultivate them in the research community or in the practice community? What opportunities exist? exist for strengthening those ties. As we develop some preliminary reports and findings, we hope to be, participate in those conversations locally, regionally, and nationally to sort of foster dialogue and bring more attention to those potential levers so that we can sort of surmount this perennial problem of a gap between research. Well, Liz Farley-Ripple, thank you for joining me today, and I look forward to reading more of your work. It was great to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you for listening to Research Minutes. To share your thoughts on today's topic or subscribe to future episodes, please visit cprehub.org. That's C-P-R-E-H-U-B.org. 
You can also keep up with all of our video interviews, podcasts, research notes, and informative discussions by following Seafree Hub on Twitter. We look forward to you joining the conversation.